So if you're watching us on Facebook or YouTube or this is your first Sunday here, we're really glad that you're here and watching because today we're, we're just continuing our discussion on the community series. When you look at part 12, I have not preached all 12 parts. I've only preached three of those. So, uh, but we're, I'm, we're just gonna keep going until the Lord's done. And we haven't even gotten into the book that I wanna share. I'm trying to lay a foundation for the book because if we don't lay that foundation, the book's gonna wreck you, hopefully in a good way anyways, but... My goal today is also not to speak any Spanish. <laughs> you know, I was just trying to apologize last week, and according to the Spanish community, I swore. <laughs> and I didn't even know it. One of the words I said in parts of the Spanish community is considered a swear word. So Alan and Carmi told me that the only Spanish word that I'm allowed to say from now on is hola. <laughs> That's it. No words to end with an O. Just stick with Ola. So I actually thought we would be in the book, uh, Keep Your Love On, uh, by Danny Silk by now. But I think that God, like I said, is actually laying a foundation for us before we go into that book on the whole idea that came from last week. And I got to tell you, the book really isn't like a huge biblical study. It's basically on our our, um, human behaviors and, and the way practical ways of loving each other. It goes into the love languages. It goes into communication issues that we have with each other. So it's going to be more practical. So I'm trying to lay out all the biblical stuff so that you don't leave the church when I do a sermon with only two scriptures in it. Because I'm, I'm, I'm flooding you with passages right now and we'll probably bring them back up during the book. But this whole idea of today actually came from last week's sermon. I didn't realize it. Um, until I was in my discipleship training class Wednesday morning, but uh, it, it all came from this, this uh, statement that I made last week. You won't be able to love others well unless you know how much God loves you. And that's what, that's what the Spirit's been speaking ever since we arrived here today. And they did not know what I was preaching on. Angel did a little bit, but Katie didn't. Unless you know how much God wants a close, intimate relationship with you. You realize that's not a Sunday morning relationship. Let me repeat that. That is not a Sunday morning relationship for an hour and a half. Think about if you only put an hour and a half of time into your marriage or your children and said, sorry, I, I don't know. There's a, there's a shirt I think Katie just got angel that said I'm, I'm done with people or today, today or something. I'm not interacting with people. It's along that line. I'm done. Okay, it's not that kind of relationship. Do you know you can, you can hear the voice of God 24 hours a day? He literally speaks to us 24 hours a day. You know why we don't hear his voice? Because we've got other things spinning around in our mind. And a lot of it is unforgiveness. Fear, worry, shame, guilt, things that don't even come from him. And he's trying to scream over that, and we're just not hearing him because we've never dealt with those corners of our heart. So, so I didn't know I was going to speak on this until Wednesday in my discipleship class. We read from John chapter 15, and Zoe, our, our teacher, and Kira, one of the uh, participants, they said something about this passage, and I was like, oh, my word, I see community. Now, maybe because we're in a community series, everything I read in here is all about community. That's the way it seems. Um, but I saw community, and, it, and my spirit just lit up. And I told the group, I said, I think I'm going to preach on this this Sunday. And they're like, don't you have a preaching calendar? No, they didn't. No, sometimes I'll throw out what I want to do for what he wants to do, right? 
So that's what we're going to dive into this morning. We're going to dive right into, uh, it, we won't know, we won't be able to love others well unless we know how much God loves us. Before you can have healthy community with others, you need to know how much Jesus wants to have community with you. He wants to have communion with you. And before you can have close relationships with others, you need to know how much Jesus, do you know that he actually desires to have a close, intimate, vibrant relationship with little old you. This little dot on the map in Dubois, PA, Clearfield, wherever you come from, Sykes, even Sykesville. <laughs> it's, it's about a third of our church, so I have to be careful. <laughs> Do you know that he wants to be united with you? That he wants to partner with you? I know you church people, you hear all these churchy words, but I want you to really listen to this because some of you are churchy, but you're not in love. Right? Before you can love on others, you need to know how much Jesus loves you. And he wants every hole in your heart. This is in my notes, and Katie prophesied it. He wants every hole in your heart to be filled with his love. And he wants those things so badly that we just spoke about, that Jesus, the Son of God, by the way, the Son of God, calls you his friend. And do you know how serious Jesus is about his friends? He believes that you should be willing to die for them, to lay down your life for them. And did he not prove that himself, right? Today's passage is not, a new, is not new to most of you, but maybe brand new to others. Either way, I don't want you to go through this passage that we're about to go over and forget about our theme and our series title of what we're talking about. Remember, we're talking about community, okay? Because this passage that we're going to read is often used for uh, how we're supposed to go out and make disciples. But I, excuse me, I saw community in here. Community here in the church, but also out there, outside the church in our local community. You know your neighbor, as God puts it. Your neighbor is anyone you come into contact with. You're supposed to love them as you do yourself. Ooh. I want you to also read this with our theme in mind. You know our theme? We are better together, right? I hope that you already believe that when it comes to your relationship with God, that you and God are actually better together. And I'm trying to convince you that the same is true with me and you <laughs> in human relationships, that really, Bobby, we are better together. Even when we're mad at each other, we're still better together. Not that we, we fix it right away if we are. We are better together. You are better because of me. <laughs> that's a scary thought. And I am better because of my mother-in-law. Ooh, that's a real scary thought. No, I am. I am. Once again, I've said this numerous ways. In some way or another, every human relationship is a reflection of our relationship with God. And you can flip that. Our relationship with God should be a reflection of every one of our human relationships. In other words, what, what we desire from a human relationship is the same as what God desires from our relationship with him. What are those things? Love, connection, intimacy, provision. See, we look for this in our human relationships, but it's exactly what God wants to provide for us. Protection, patience, understanding, safety, 
faith, trust, and on and on it goes. I mean, did he not say, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness? However, sadly sometimes, this is proven because oftentimes when we are angry at a human, do you know what we do? We project that anger towards God. When a human father is absent or rejects us, we often think that God does not care about us and God is absent from our lives. But when we are loved well by our human fathers and mothers, it's easier for us to believe that God loves us. Am I right? Those of you that are in the counseling field, you know this is right because you see the results. And this is what I've seen. Can I tell you something? We've got this all backwards. We've got this all backwards. We're not supposed to allow human relationships to reflect God. God is supposed to reflect our human relationships. In your notes. Sadly, we develop our feelings and beliefs about God based on how a human treats us. Think about that. We base, we develop our feelings and beliefs about God based on how a human treats us. And today, I want to flip the script on our enemy. I want you to have a renewing of your mind today by the truth of God's word, by the truth of God's word, because we cannot afford to put our human relationships before God. It could actually cause spiritual death. This is, this is crucial. We cannot afford to put our human relationships before God. So let's flip the script on our enemy and live by what we said last week. See if you remember these things. And I've added two more for today, the last two. When I realize how much God loves me, I don't have to prove myself to anyone. Just him. Just love him and let, him, let me love him and him love me. I don't have to spend my life trying to impress people if I know how much God loves me. If I know how much God loves me, my identity and self-worth is not caught up in what others think of me. And I'm no longer pressured. Think about this. I am no longer pressured by everybody else's expectations of me. And then I added these two for today. My image of God cannot be tainted by how humans treat me if I know how much God loves me. And I don't have to look for love in all the wrong places. Want to know why so many Christians are in inappropriate relationships with humans? Because they're not in an appropriate relationship with God. Let me repeat that. One of the reasons why we rush into inappropriate relationships is because we do not have an appropriate relationship with God. Plain and simple. They have not remained in the vine. Jesus would say, based on our passage today, they have not remained in my love. Because if they did, they wouldn't need the love of that other person that they rushed into inappropriately with. Because in your notes, in order for us to, in order for you to love well, in order for you to have close, intimate, healthy human relationships, you must have one with Jesus. He should be your best friend, your priority relationship. And I'm talking to church folks as well. Because I'm seeing Christians, they have walked away from this. And they're doing whatever they think is right 
or wrong. In order for you to have healthy human relationships, you must have one with Jesus. Turn with me to John chapter 15 and let me show you how badly Jesus wants to be your friend. How badly he wants to be connected with you. How badly he wants to have community with you so that you will know how to be a great friend to others. So that we will know how at Light and Life how to have healthy community with each other. Now, like I said, I was shocked when I saw community in this passage during that discipling class. But nonetheless, I'm going to give it a whirl. I told Angel, I feel like I may be stretching this a little bit, but I know what the Holy Spirit spoke to me, so I'm just going to share it with you, and we can can debate it later. I just want you to remember our theme as we read this. We are better together. Everyone say that. We are better together. This passage has relationship all over it. So let's break it down. Are you ready? Verse 1, John 15. I'll be reading from the NIV. We're going to start with the first two verses. I, who are we, who's that? Jesus. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Oh. So Jesus had to place his hand on the heart and say, Father, do, I, do you own every piece of my heart? Are you still there? Hello? Okay, I'm good. Let's move. Let's go touch that water and turn it into wine. Let's put mud on a man's eyes and watch him have sight so more people will believe in you. But I don't want to do any of that unless you own every corner of my heart. How am I ever going to treat women as daughters of God if porn rules my life? I can't. I can't. I have to give him that corner of my heart. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. (laughs) Oh, the pruning is never fun, right? In John 15, in your notes, we have relationship. Jesus, the true vine. Why would he say the true vine? It means that it doesn't matter what the world is offering you, Jesus is the true vine. Everything else is false, right? You may be choosing earthly love over his perfect love because it feels good, but it's not truth. We have have to put his love first. That's all I'm saying. We see relationship here right from the beginning of this passage. Jesus, the true vine, and God, the Father, the gardener. uh, The two of them working as one to accomplish a goal abiding in perfect love they are through perfect harmony and in perfect unity together for a goal. And if you read chapter 14, you'll know that Jesus just promised the coming of the Holy Spirit. So think about that. There's two here, but there's about to be another one added. Three and one come into a theater near you. (laughs) Seriously, that's pretty cool. What's the goal of this relationship in your notes? What's the goal of this community? It's found in verse 2, to be more fruitful. What's the ultimate goal of the community here at Light and Life? To be more fruitful. And you know what that means? The fruits of the Spirit coming out of you to everyone you come into contact with. I found out that that was the theme of the women's ministry night last night. I couldn't believe it. It's like, that's what I'm preaching on tomorrow. Not that exactly, but to be more fruitful. That's our goal. 
How do we do that? By trimming and pruning, which means by addressing. I put that word addressing in there on purpose because we have to address ourselves in the presence of God, and sometimes we have to address other Christians and say, cut that out. I'm pruning this branch so that it'll be healthier and grow more fruit later. But cutting hurts, doesn't it? By addressing or pruning branches that are dead or wounded or hurt. We're trying to bring life back to the vine. That's the purpose of pruning. But also, we prune and cut away at healthy branches so that they can be even more fruitful than they are already. So listen, I want you to hear this. No one is exempt from the pruning process. Not even your pastor or your leaders. We are all a work in progress. We are all branches who want to produce more fruit. Amen? Angel told me this week that part of the pruning process is not just to deal with uh, dead, um, uh, wounded, or hurt, or broken branches. I thought this was interesting, what she said. Do you know what a pruner does uh, with the kind of branches that just get bent over? He picks them up, ties them together with the other branches until they heal. Think about that. That was a wow moment. She told me, and then it didn't register until I came down and continued to write my sermon. I was like, wow. You know why? Because there are a lot of people in this room that are bent. <laughs> yeah, you can take that however you want, but some of you are really bent. You know, you're bent over from wounds, and you're angry, and you're angry. You puke anger on us all the time because you're wounded by somebody else and we're just taking the brunt of it. You're bent. You're a bent branch. We are wounded and hurt and, off and offended and broken. And he doesn't want you to lean away from your community. He wants you to lean into and tie yourself to your community. See, it's always the opposite. It's always the opposite of what the enemy is whispering in your ear. It's always the opposite. He's telling you you have to run. He's telling you you have to hold back. Don't get involved because you were hurt by another church. That's where the enemy wants you. But if you know God has called you here, you're supposed to tie yourself to us. And some of you are mature Christians. What are you waiting for? You have a calling on your life. Let's go. Tie yourself to your new family. And, he, and we'll help you heal over that stuff. But the enemy says, no, you've got to hold back. Don't sit in the third row. Got to sit in the back so you can slip in and slip out. Hopefully nobody will talk to you. I got to protect my heart. I got to build up walls to protect myself from offense again. And you know what? Somebody's going to climb over that wall and get you anyway someday. Come on. You live with humans. We're going to be offended a lot. The Bible gave you a way out. Read Matthew 18. When you're offended, go to them and tell them and work it out. Most of the time, it's fixed within five minutes. You build up walls, nothing's going to get fixed. You run and hide, nobody's going to get fixed, and the kingdom's not growing because of you've buried your treasure, your gifts and your talents. You've buried them. Read the parable. Come on. Verse 3. I'm not mad at anybody, by the way. So if you're new here, I'm not mad at you, and I haven't heard anything, but it's just a word from God for you if that's what you're feeling. Verse 3. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now, 
What is it, by the way, that runs through your human veins that brings life to your bodies? Blood. What is it that runs through a branch that brings life to a tree? Sap. So what is verse 3 saying about a healthy vine, a healthy community? I believe it's this. The vital, the absolutely necessary, the essential sap that we need running through every relationship and every community is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He's the sap. He basically says here, in order for you to have a clean, healthy relationship or community, you need me. Matthew 7 reminds us that you will know them by their fruits. You see, many will seem, will seem to be a part of Christ. They will look good on Sunday morning, outwardly or religiously united with Christ. But in, inwardly, there is no Jesus sap flowing through their branch. You can never go by the Sunday morning version of somebody. Verse 4. By the way, that's why you have to have them over at your house Monday through Saturday. Because you don't want to go by this. You can't do community well in an hour and a half while we're singing and listening to a sermon. You're not doing community right now. You're, you're growing. You're, you're, you're learning and growing to be better community, but you have to do community after this. You have to come early to church to do community and stay late to do community. Last week, a lot of you stayed afterwards and did community, and the rest of you went, got to go. Don't want anybody to talk to me. Don't want them to know me. They're going to ask me to serve. Whatever reason, you ran, and you hid in your cave for the rest of the week. <laughs> Come on out, because we want winter to end. That's a joke about Punxsutawney Phil. Don't get me going on him. In order to have a clean, healthy relationship or community, you need Jesus. Verse 4, here's where we start seeing the key or plan of Christian community. The key to having healthy human relationships is to do this first. Everyone say, I must do this first. first. Remember, we're flipping the script, right? Our image of God will no longer be tainted through the image of humans, right? Okay, verse 4, remain in me as also I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Now, you know when you hear something repeated over and over in the Bible, you better pay attention. And he repeats this numerous times. It's almost annoying. Neither can you bear fruit unless you, you say it. That was very weak. Unless you, okay, do you see it? He's, he's not done repeating it, so hang on. You'll get sick of hearing it soon enough because Jesus wants you to get this. Remain in me. Remain in me. Remain in me. If you want to be fruitful in your notes, you must have an intimate relationship with Jesus. It's the only way fruit will come. It comes through him. And so that's why I think it's key what, what, what Katie prophesied that we need to take ourselves off the throne of our hearts because when we produce a ministry based on what we want, then we're going to take all the glory for it. Right? It leads to pride. You must put him first above, everybody say above, above. all other relationships. Yep, like he did with his father. A couple times Jesus had to say, listen, I'm done with ministry. I need to go spend time with my father. I can't give you anymore. Do not call me on my day off. 
I need to be with my father. It's my number one relationship. It's my sap. It's my blood. It's where I get my vitality to walk on water. And if you remain in me, you will not only know how much I love you, it will save you from a lot of regrets later on in your life. It will save you from inappropriate and unhealthy relationships. You know, the whole looking for love in all the wrong places. If you know how much I love you, if you remain in that, knowing that, it will save you from wanting to end your life. It will save you eventually from being cut off spiritually, death, spiritual death, hell. And you will be fruitful in all of your relationships if you remain in me. As he goes on in this passage, he keeps repeating himself, and then he adds an element to this intimacy in verse five. Verse five, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And then he gives this little caveat. Apart from me, (laughs) you can do nothing. Oh, it may look on Sunday morning to everybody like you're just this glorious, super religious person. You may have four cottages and 15 boats, and you may have everything that the church wants. But in the end, those will all burn up. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, this is the word I got in my training on Wednesday as we were reading this together. As I, I, I wrote it down in my notes, and I'm like, I'm preaching on this. It's not new and perhaps not even very profound. I don't, sometimes I'm like, that's not very profound, Holy Spirit. And he goes, um, Mark, I spoke it, so it is. So you just obey because to someone, this is going to be profound. It's also very necessary for us to know if we're going to be a healthy community and a healthy person. God is tired of us trying to do life without him. Please don't come at me and say, well, God doesn't get tired. Come, come on, do you get the point? He wants to do life with you. you. You word it however you want so you don't come at me after service. God is tired of us doing life without him. I know he's tired of us doing church without him. He's tired of some of you doing ministry without him. He's tired of us trying to do community without him. He's tired of us trying to do anything without him. Because God is all about partnership. Community is all about partnership. Relationships are all about partnership. God partnering with us, and we are partnering with him. Those were the two things that Kira said and Zoe said. But those, those comments came from them. Pretty awesome. So let me ask you the difficult question that's looming in the air. Close your eyes just for a second. How many of us have come out of partnership with God? And just ask yourself, have, have I come out of partnership with God in any area of my life? Maybe because of an offense, a church wound, or because of a broken human relationship, you know, the one that you thought was going to last forever, and it ended. Or because of losing a job or a position, or the fact that you're still single and God hasn't brought your mate yet. So you stopped believing in him because he gave you this promise 10 years ago, and it hasn't happened in your timing Maybe you stopped believing in or trusting in God because you lost a loved one way earlier than you planned on them leaving you. Or maybe it's as simple as you didn't get what you wanted and you feel like God failed you. Have you come out of partnership with God? All right, you can open your eyes. 
I want you, if that's you, I want you to hear what John wanted you to know about what Jesus said here, about the heart of God, okay? Believe this in your notes. We're just filling it out, but I want you to believe it in your heart. If you remain in Jesus and make that relationship a priority, the fruit will come. From all of those broken places that the Holy Spirit just pointed out to you, where you lost faith in God, if you come back and remain in the vine, that fruit will come. Will come. Some of you needed to hear that because you're exhausted waiting for it to come. It's coming. What do you do meantime? Keep loving God and love others, which means you serve others until it comes. Perhaps your husband is serving on the hospitality team, because, but you've been sitting here whining for 10 years. If you just would have joined the hospitality team 10 years, he's, he was, he's been there waiting for 10 years for you. But because you got angry and withdrew and went into a cave and didn't serve, you, you didn't get connected. And can I just say, if you wait too long, someone else is going to snatch him up. <laughs> it's all hypothetical. I'm just, but that's how it works. Why are you shaking your head, babe? Just saying. This is what I believe God spoke to me. That before we can go into how to love on each other, we need to know how much we are loved by God. And we need to know how much he wants to have an intimate relationship with us. And we need to know how important it is to make Jesus our first and most vital relationship. Because without that, if you read the, the last song that we sang, I believe it talked about he, he brings order to our chaos. What, what was that? Without that, we're just going to be a hot, chaotic mess. We must remain in him. Those of you who tried life without him, you know what I'm talking about. Right? The passage goes on to repeat itself and then adds a stern warning and then an awesome promise. Verse 6, if you do not remain in me, warning, ding, 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 You are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. I think you all know what that means. Verse 7, if you remain in me, though, and my words remain in you, ding, 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 promise is coming, promise. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, he's not a genie in a bottle. I believe if you ask what he wills for you, he will give it to you. If you ask what he desires, and if if you ask for anything, any of the promises that come from here, he wants to give them to you. I'm not saying he won't give you a car because you want a car, but oftentimes we over-spiritualize that moment, and we buy a car that we can't even afford and say, God gave it to me. Six months later, the bank's taking it. It's like, what? what, what, what? See? We abuse that passage. He's not a genie to grant you your three wishes. He wants what you want to line up with his will and his desires, the fruits of the Spirit. How about we just start asking for that? Oh, Lord, make me more patient. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be one of my disciples. So Jesus just gave us the key to being fruitful for the kingdom, for the community, for all of our relationships as well. Then there's a shift Jesus begins to tell us not only how he loves us, but also how to love others well. 
how to love them perfectly and with joy. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now, remain in my love. Why didn't he just say remain in me? Because you have to know how much you're loved by him if you're going to love others well. You have to know that. It's perfect and it's unconditional. We make it conditional. Well, because I sinned, I can't go to church. What? He wants sinners here. Well, I don't go to that church because there's too many hypocrites. Hello? He wants hypocrites here. How else are they going to hear the word of God and be changed? Be in the presence of the Lord, right? So do you see this? We will not be able to love properly or or we will find ourselves in unhealthy, inappropriate relationships if we don't learn to love properly. We will find ourselves in unhealthy and inappropriate relationships if we don't remain in the vine and safety of Jesus' love. And this is how you do it, verse 10. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. If you follow his standards about love and relationships and community and life, not your opinion, not your truth, his truth, his truth will keep you in his love and you will live with less regrets later on. And you will be able to love everyone well, even yourself, even yourself. And Jesus says next that he is not asking you to do something that he did not do himself. Just as, as I have kept my father's command and remained in his love. There is safety in God's love. Why is our society and the church so broken and immoral, immoral these days? Because they have walked out from under God's love, his abiding love, and they're doing it the way they want to do it. Verse 11, I have told you this. Why do I want this for you? Remember, I've always said that I think the first thing the enemy wants to steal from you is your joy. And when he gets you depressed, he can come in and just take over. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is why so many lose their joy. They've either believed a lie that God doesn't love me or they think that no one loves me. It always comes back to love. This, my friends, is why we must learn to do it well and why we must know and accept God's love for us. In your notes, we have to stop looking for love in all the wrong places. Okay? I know it's a corny song, but it's so, so true. We have to stop looking for love in all the wrong places and go to the source of love, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. So that no matter what happens to you on planet Earth, when you know that you are loved, you will never lose your joy. You know, you can put the word happiness in there because a lot of people are rushing into relationships because they want to be happy and loved. Remember, the reason that so many rush into inappropriate relationships is because there's a hole in their heart an empty space that was created by another human who either rejected them or was absent from them. And they run from relationship to relationship to find someone to fill that empty space. So if that's you, I want you to receive the word from God today. Flip the script and remind the enemy in your notes that when we are full of the love and joy of Jesus, there will not be any holes or empty spaces in our hearts that will need to be filled by any other source of earthly love. 
Listen, it's not that God doesn't want you to experience my love and someone else's love. You get this? We're talking about priority. Whose love are we really longing for? God's first, and then you can search for a mate and someone to love you on earth. But this, just get this point. When we are full of the love and joy of Jesus, there won't be any holes or empty spaces in our hearts that will need to be filled by any other source of earthly love. So when that boy says to you or that girl says to you, you have to sleep with me to prove your love to me, go, uh-huh, well, yeah. Yeah, I don't need that. I don't need you, really. I mean, I have God, so if you're not willing to wait for me, then... I'm saving sex for the fireplace, marriage. We all know someone or we ourselves did this. We rushed into a relationship. People move in with each other within two weeks of meeting each other now. We rush in and we do the whole thing backwards. And I just want you to know that if you were full of God's love, you wouldn't need any other human to approve of you. Oh, it's so huge, guys. Not even your spouse. Do you know the weight? We were, I had a conversation with someone this week about this. And do you know the weight it takes off of me that I, because I, I know I can't love Angel perfectly. I cannot possibly meet all of her needs. There's no way. I'm human. But God can. And instead of being jealous of that, I am so thankful that God is the number one priority of her life. I am not jealous of that because now I have a happy wife. Don't say it. That actually takes weight off of me. Like, God, please love her perfectly because I can't. And then I'm going to do my best. It's amazing. You know why? Because we're satisfied with the affection and love of God himself, who is the author and creator of love. He's the only one that can love you perfectly. And then for all of us that are hearing this word, Jesus then gives us a command that has the power to transform any of our relationships, any community, any people, any city, any nation, or even the world. It's almost too much to grasp when you read it. But we are to strive for this every single day. Verse 12 No matter what race or place, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. As is the key word there. As. Underline it, circle it, highlight it in your Bible. Because that's the key word. How do I love my spouse? The same way Jesus loves me. I'm just going to give you a moment to let that sink in. Love each other as I have loved you. And I want you to think as you're thinking about that and letting it sink into your spirit so it infects your soul. I want you to think about all the relationships that you are involved in right now. And I just want you to think, am I loving my wife or husband or child or mom or dad the same way Jesus loves me? Am I loving my boss, my coworkers, my church family, or my neighbor the same way Jesus loves me? Am I loving them as much as Jesus has loved me? Because let me remind you, he was willing to die for you. What are you willing to do for a coworker? 
Would Jesus treat them any differently than the way I'm treating them right now? That's the question. He explains in verse 13 what kind of love it's supposed to be. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then he says the most amazing words in the Bible. You are my friend. This is how much I love you. Don't ever forget it. It'll save you from suicide. This is the message we have for the world. So you need to receive it, and then you need to go talk about this message this week to everyone you come into contact with. Because America's just full of a bunch of whiners and complainers because they have no hope. COVID's really taken a ding out of people. And we have this message. No matter what happens, God loves you. And then try to help them navigate that. Explain it. Don't just say that and walk off unless you only have that moment with them. You are my friends if you do what I command. Do you know what he commands? Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor. Worship team, come. As they come, I don't want you to be distracted. I want you to focus with me because this is where we're honing it down now. The Holy Spirit gave me a word last night during um, Feel the Fire. Just really quick, just a, just a real quick thing. He, he said, do you know what made Jesus so powerful? You know, what Jesus, you, know what Je- what, you know what made Jesus so legendary? He didn't do one thing for himself that we know of. Not one thing. It was always for others. It was always for you. And he just wants you to do that. That will flip your perspective. That'll, make, that'll tear you right off the throne of your heart. That'll give you new purpose in this life. So many people I hear all the time, I don't know what my purpose is. That's your purpose right there. Don't ever do one thing for yourself. I mean, you know what I mean. You have to eat and you have to, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, I'm talking about purpose of life. Jesus was always about his father's business. The kingdom. Do you know what the kingdom is? People. (laughs) The ones that annoy you. (laughs) Why her, Lord? Why did you call me to minister to her? Why is she my Becky? Because you're perfect for it. Because one of the reasons why she annoys you is you used to be her. So now you have a story to tell. You're the one to bring her out of the darkness into light. Right? Want to know why it's all about others? Because a lot of people complain when I say that a lot from the pulpit. Do you want to know why it's always about others? And this is not a big eye-opening statement. But I just need to say it. Because you're already in the kingdom. You're already in the kingdom. Don't assume everybody in this room is. That's why we need to do community well with each other. Not just out there, but in here. We need to constantly read about Jesus' life here on earth and watch what he did. And we need to fall in love with him again and build such an intimate relationship that he becomes our best friend. That, listen, no one can separate us from that relationship. Not a boy, not a girl. Not a man, not a woman, not pornography, not an addiction, not any drug or liquid. No one can separate us from that relationship. I just want to leave you with this, just some kind of general 
practical things. You want to know how to become best friends with Jesus because I don't want to just say, well, you didn't tell me how. I just have four things that you can start with. Get to know him. Ask him to be Lord and master of your life. Just ask him to come into your life and then start reading the word of God every day and we'll help you with that. We'll get you a Bible. We'll tell you where to start reading. Every day, just learn more about who Jesus is. Just start there. You can even start reading before you ask him into your life. Number two, talk to him. Wake up every morning. Christian, I hope you didn't fall asleep on me. Wake up every morning and say, good morning, Holy Spirit. And then talk to him while you work, while you rest, and while you play. It's called 24-hour communication, praying. And then number three, this is the one I love. Sing to him all the time. No matter what's going on in your life. In fact, when things get rough, harder, sing louder. Raise your hallelujah. Right? And then number four, let's stand. Number four. Do as he commands. Love God and love each other the same way that he has loved you. I hope you remember what I spoke about three weeks, two weeks ago. That means we actually in our hearts have to forgive people before they ever hurt us. So when the hurt comes, we're not even, it doesn't even penetrate us. We have armor on. God has told me that if I don't forgive, he won't forgive me. So what does that mean? Right now, Amy and I are getting along, as far as I know. We're getting along, because I didn't ask her. We're getting along. I have to be prepared for her to offend me. And when she does, I'm going to forgive her right away, even before she comes to talk to me. And then when she comes to talk to me and say, you offended me, I'm going, oh, or, or when I go to her and talk to her, oh, honey, I've, like Katie's taught me this years ago. It was amazing. I went to Katie, and I said, Katie, I'm so sorry. I think I offended you today. She goes, oh, pastor. She, you know, her and Leanne are really good at the forearm thing. Oh, pastor, I forgave you before you did it. I was like, that's amazing. In other words, it didn't matter what I did to her. It was not going to penetrate her spirit. She wouldn't allow it. She will not allow Now, I'm not saying Katie's not offendable, because she is. She will be offended at times, but she knows how to work it out. But when I, when I thought I broke our relationship, she's like, oh, honey, you, you can't offend me. But I, 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 I forgive you, right? We don't say it wasn't a big deal, right? We say it's okay. We don't say it's okay because then they'll do it again. She said, I forgive you, but I forgave you way before you did that. Can you imagine that? If we walk this way? Father, we're going to sing about your love in closing. Your reckless love for us. This ending song will be our declaration about who you are. We're not even going to think about us. We're just going to honor you with this song, right? It's reckless love. And what you do for us because of your love. And and so as we sing this, we want you to transform our heart and our soul and our mind and our spirit so that we know once and for all, before we move on and learn how to love each other and learn to do that, we need to solve this, that you love us unconditionally and perfectly. And then as we sing, will you help us to learn to love others well as well? We want to be so transformed that everywhere we go, people say, man, that guy is full of love. He is not affected by the the situations and circumstances of the world at all. He just keeps a smile on his face. He's joyful every day he comes to work. He just, I hear him singing in the bathroom for Pete's sake. I mean, he's just full of joy. I want what he has. 
May we live in such a way that the atmosphere shifts at our workplaces and in our homes. Some of you are really good at being joyful at work, but at home you're a, you're a miserable bent branch. Why? Why do we mistreat our family, but we're really nice to strangers? I know why, and I may speak on it someday, but it's because strangers don't have any expectations of us. Zoe helped me with that this week, and I'm really going to try to wrap my mind around that and figure that out. So, Lord, I'm good at work. I know how to love my coworkers, and I'm joyful, and I laugh, and as soon as I get home, I just start screaming and yelling and just hate and bitterness, and all this stuff comes out. Why? Will you fix that in me? I want to love my husband and my wife better than any stranger, and I want to love my children better than any person at work. Help me at home. Some of you may hate your job. Will you stop puking that on your coworkers? It's not their fault. Love them. Pray for a new job or pray and ask God if he has you there for a reason and then look for the purpose and be fulfilled with that. Maybe, maybe you just haven't asked God why you're there. If you're here today and you've walked into this church and you know this is your family, but you're bringing church wounds and you've been hiding in a cave because you're just scared to get reinvolved, can I just tell you, you're a bent branch. And the best way to get healthy is to tie yourself with the community. Get involved. Just tear down the walls that you've built up around your heart because someone's going to climb over that wall eventually and hurt you again. And you're just going to try to build it higher and higher. It's not going to work. When you're involved with people, you're going to be offended again and you're going to be hurt. But you have to learn a healthy way of working that out. And we're going to help you with that with this series in detail with practical ways of communicating and working those things out with people. But for now, can you just start taking a brick out of the wall? Start tearing it down? Stop living in fear and embrace your new community and get involved? Share your story with people? Father, may we be wrecked right now by your love when we sing this. May you help us the rest of the week to worship you and, worship and love, love you and love others all week long. Stories and testimonies to tell next Sunday of your great love. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this message from Dubois Light and Life Church. We hope you're blessed by it. To hear more messages or get more information about Light and Life Church, please visit DuboisFMC.org or check us out on Facebook.